Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? <clears throat> As your favorite, favorite, favorite credit hero in the whole wide world. Of course, there's millions of other credit heroes out there, but we all know who your favorite is, Ronnie Francois. Another awesome episode on the Credit Lab podcast. You know, this amazing episode we're going to be discussing why our school systems didn't teach us about credit financial literacy. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get the show started. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Again, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us another awesome episode. Uh, your host, Ronnie Francois, your favorite credit hero. Again, thank you. I appreciate the love and continued support. On this awesome episode, the topic is why our school system didn't teach us about credit and financial literacy. Again, you know, I've said this many times, it's not Memorex, it's facts. Um, our school system t- taught us about a lot of different stuff. The Pythagorean theorem, photosynthesis, uh, we dissect the frog. And um, some of you listeners, watchers, might even remember Home Mac, where we bake cake, cookies, and pies. I mean, a lot of y'all probably wasn't good bakers, so, you know, I don't expect you to remember. But the whole point is, we did a whole lot of stuff. We learned about Pluto, Mars, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But when it came to credit and financial literacy, uh, that was something that didn't teach us. And, you know, as I, as I got older and wise and more mature, I realized there was a reason why they didn't teach us about that. Um, because again, you know, financial literacy is something that impacts everybody. You know, it don't matter your shape, your size, your height, it, it affects, impacts everybody. So um, to this day, I'm still puzzled why the school system failed and continue to fail to teach us about credit and financial literacy. And, you know, that's part of my mission. I think that's why I'm so passionate. And I really believe in myself, what I'm doing as the credit hero because I'm able to do what so many uh, school system has failed to do. Um, so again, as the credit hero, my job is um, not only give you the information, give you knowledge, and hopefully, hopefully you're able to apply this knowledge, but my main goal is to help you become a credit hero too. Um, so just imagine if it's five people living in your household and you know three or four of you are credit heroes, then you can take that message, you can pass it on to the neighbor, um, to the community, you can make a positive impact within your, your community just by being a credit hero. Again, as you can see, um, or if you or if you listen to this replay, um, you probably can't see if you just listen to it, but I do have on my favorite shirt, uh, Haiti. It says 1804. And I also have this necklace on. Um, it's a heart. And my daughter has the other half. So um, that's why I'm not in the lab today. I guess I just wanted to floss a little bit, the cool shirt and a necklace. So we're going to jump right into it. So again, why our school system didn't teach us about credit financial literacy? Um, again, so so there are a couple of states that are making a positive impact, that are trying to get, um, that's trying to go in the right direction. Again, there are, there's eight states currently, and the numbers have probably have went up since the last time I looked at this information, eight states that currently have statewide requirements for personal finance courses. That's Alabama, Mississippi, Missouri, Iowa, North Carolina, Tennessee, Utah, and Virginia. Um, Of course, you know, there's probably other states that's going to come along. So there are some states that are going the right direction that are making personal finance courses a recommendation. So 
is very, very important. And the next thing is, should, should financial literacy be taught in school? Um, I mean, I know that's a no-brainer, right? Like, of course it should be taught in school. But again, uh, you know, there, there's some reasons why it's not being taught in school. But there are definitely some positive impact when they do, when they, it is available in school and, you know, it is part of the curriculum. So financial literacy classes teach the student the, base, the basis of money management, budgeting, saving, debt, investment, giving, and more. Uh, so again, some of the core takeaway from financial literacy courses can be, you know, money management, budget saving, debt, investment, I mean, all the stuff that we actually have to do um, as adults. And even as a young kids or young teenagers, we, we are, we, um, the teenagers, young kids are actually doing some stuff already. Uh, they learn how to save money, they're budgeting. Um, as they get older, when they start spending their money, their allowance, and, or and when they go to college, they're gonna learn about debt. So the, the goal is to give them this information, give them the knowledge before they make that mistake. Because uh, unfortunately, many of us don't learn about credit financial literacy until we are in a bad situation, until we fall into debt, until our credit is like really terrible. But what if you could cut that rate, the number of kids down in half or by a quarter just by providing or making that resource available to them? So again, that's why financial literacy is a must and it should be taught in our schools. But um, until the schools catch up with us, we're going to continue doing what we do. I'm going to continue being a credit hero. I'm going to continue giving that information. And then hopefully that way you can share um, it. can be a daily conversation at the kitchen table. Because when many of us sit at the kitchen table, well, I don't, I, I don't know about your household, but um, you know, when my kids, when they're around me, I, I cook for them because I'm a pretty good cook. Um, I think that's what my son always tells me anyway. Um, so when I cook, we, have, we, we, we eat together at the dinner table. And then sometimes, you know, we have different discussions, different topics. So um, it would be really cool, like, the next time you and your family members, your household sat down at the table, um, credit, financial literacy came up. Of course, you're going to talk about uh, uh, Netflix episodes that come more than new shows, maybe like the new Jordan, uh, or about the Ravens uh, winning yesterday by two points because they lost two games before. I mean, you're going to have different topics, but, like, what if um, somewhere along the way you do a financial literacy, credit, money management, just um, kind of just toss it in a little bit. Next time you're at the table, just make it part of the conversation. Even if you don't go deep into it, just touch upon it every now and then. Um, that way the kids, your household will make it part of the daily habit. Because if you talk about it enough, there's a good chance um, that the kids, teenagers, your whole household will probably get on track and probably start paying more attention. Um, so the next thing is, uh, financial education versus financial literacy. Uh, financial literacy is the ability to know how to manage your financial resources. Basic financial literacy help people to become self-sufficient and achieve financial stability. And financial education is the ability to understand how to how financial resources work. So they kind of go hand in hand. Because uh, sometimes when people talk about financial education. Uh, they, they might get it confused with financial literacy or vice versa, but they actually go hand in hand. And again, I'm just go over the definition real quick um, for some of the people that's in the back that might didn't hear it. Financial literacy is the ability to know how to manage your financial resources. Basic financial literacy help p- 
people to become self-sufficient and achieve financial stability. And financial education is the ability to understand how financial resources work. So pretty much in layman's terms, one is just getting the information. The other one is basically applying the information. So I mean, that's pretty much when you compare financial education, financial literacy. Um, so that's pretty much what that is pretty much. And again, if you're on here, definitely, or if you're watching the replay, definitely want to say thank you, like, share, comment, subscribe. I always appreciate your comment, your support. Again, I don't want to be the only credit hero. I want to give you the information, give you the resources, give you the knowledge that way you can become a credit hero too. So just imagine if you got four or five people living in your household, um, you know, maybe like 50%, 70% of the household know about credit, financial literacy. That's information that can be shared throughout the household that can become a daily conversation around the, the table. Again, I challenge you, you know, listening, whether you're watching a replay or listening to it, when you sit at the dinner table, if not the night, or maybe the next time you cook, or even if you don't cook, you have carry out, um, bring up financial literacy and credit, you know, just to see what's everybody's reaction, see what they think about it. You might be surprised. I mean, it might be something that the person that's sitting next to you at the dinner table been wanting to talk about. Just make it an engaging conversation. And you don't have to go really hard into it. You don't have to be like, hey, like, um, Whoever can tell me the five components that make up your credit score, um, whoever who is the whoever's the first person that can that can tell me the five components of the credit score, don't have to wash dishes. And you don't have to go that deep into it. Just make it like a fun, engaging conversation. I mean, but that could be cool though. Like, um, if you're trying to figure who who who's going to wash the dishes after dinner, ask the person. Um, make up make up a question. Who knows the five components at all that make up your credit score? So that could be a good one too. Again, so the next thing is. Why? Why is financial education no longer part of part of the curriculum? Again, um, I honestly believe the system is designed for us not to know about financial literacy, credit, because uh, I remember when I was in college, like a long time ago, um, there was somebody who was a credit card company who signed. They signed me up for a credit card, but when they signed me for a credit card, they didn't tell me nothing about the components that make up the credit score. Uh, they didn't really tell me about rights as far as the consumers. Um, they didn't even tell me about the late payments, the credit So, again, they forced these credit cards on us, make it easy and accessible, but yet they failed to teach us how to use them properly. So, um, again, I really think that um, the system is rigged against us. Uh, thank you, V Lama. Would you say thank you, Mr. Ronnie, for the great information? <laughs> what age? Um, what age should a parent start the conversation with the children about credit? So to be, uh, that's a very good question. So to be honest with you, it really depends. On, it really depends on your kids. Because um, some kids are like super smart, super advanced. Um, I would say probably between the age of like nine and eleven. Because uh, my young prince, I think he was, um, I think he was like around like eleven when he kind of. No, no, I'm sorry. You know what? I think he was like around like nine. When we start like talking about credit financial literacy, and I remember it was like some Saturdays, like a long time ago, we used to actually go knock on doors, apartment complex, uh, talking to people about credit financial literacy. And then my princess, I think she was like 12, I think. Um, so it really depends on the child. But I would say between like the age of nine and 11. And if you want to be honest, really, like once they get old enough to ask you about money, about allowance, uh, that could definitely be a good time to. Um, 
talk about credit and financial literacy. Uh, because if they're old enough to say, hey, where's my allowance? Then they're old enough to know, you know, start learning some stuff. So it really depends on your child. So again, uh, so, so another reason why a lack of financial education in our school system are not made, well, so a lot of, so one of the reasons why our schools don't have it because a lot of decision is made at the state level. So I'm sure there are probably some schools, uh, you know, the local level that actually want to teach financial literacy and credit, but a lot of decisions made at the state level. Um, so, and then also too, so there's no federal mandate or guideline to help schools learn learn how to teach it. So that's that's another reason too. So who's the federal mandate? Then you can say it's a federal mandate. These are the guidelines that we have to follow. So like every state, pretty much get to make their own decisions. So, um, so that's why like a lot of schools don't have it uh, because maybe like the, the governor or whoever the leader of the state is don't think it's something that's important. But at the end of the day, I do believe every school system will have some type of financial literacy, of course. Now see the key is, um, so at first, they didn't really want to teach us about credit financial literacy. So they're going to eventually have to teach us about it. Then the next step is teaching us about consumer law because that's the next step after you learn the basis of credit. So even though they're going to teach us about credit financial literacy, um, I believe it's going to be some years after that before they get really deep into into consumer law. Um, so and they kind of go hand in hand. Be honest with you, but I think they're going to just give us just enough to shut us up, keep us happy. But at the end of the day, there's always more that can be done. Um, so. Another fact that I didn't know, um, this is which country is the most financially literate in the, in the world? Which country is on top of it? So Norway is actually 71% of the European country have, they have the highest financial literacy. They have the highest financial literacy. So I didn't even realize that Norway was actually number one as far as the country that's really on top of financial literacy. So, um, so Norway can do it. United States can definitely do it too. I mean, are we going to be number two? I'm really not sure, but I know Norway is definitely uh, number one. So if they can do it, other countries can definitely follow the the blueprint that they're doing. But again, as long as the big banks and big financial institutions um, not really paying attention to that, it really won't matter. So again, so we're about to take a commercial break, get some bills paid, and after that, we're going to hop into the Q&A again. If you ever have some Q&A, you can drop in the comment. You can inbox me, DM me, or you can email it to me. So we'll take this quick break and be right back. Support of people of color begins with support by people of color. Introducing Melanin People. Melanin People is a new, innovative, new social media platform people of color from all around the world. It's a place for us to interact, showcase our talents, express our passions, share our cultures, and do business, both locally and internationally. Download the Melanin People mobile app now. Connecting people of color. Guys, I am super excited because Never Quit, Stay Fit is motivational, inspirational, and all about encouragement. So guys, let's try it on. Listen, this shirt got me feel like I can get these guns right, okay? After being homeless this year due to a domestic violence situation, I feel like Never Quit is my middle name. But 
before I can even get into the encouragement part of me getting where I needed to be, I had to start off with healthy eating. So this site is all about staying motivated, be encouraged, and being inspired just to be a better you. So guys, never quit, stay fit is definitely something I am all about. Check them out. Hey, what's up? What's up? Welcome back. Welcome back. That was another awesome commercial break. If you just join us, just definitely want to say thank you. And if you're a regular um, subscriber, also want to thank you. If you're watching the replay, definitely want to say thank you for your support. It's definitely appreciated. Again, there's a lot of credit heroes out there. But again, um, I believe I'm your favorite credit hero. Even if you don't come out and tell me that, it's between me and you. I'm your favorite credit hero. I won't tell nobody. All right, so we're about to hop right into the Q&A. Again, if you have, have any questions, anything, topic that you want me to cover, feel free to reach out. You can um, hit me on Instagram, Mr. Ronnie underscore Credit Hero. Hit me on the Credit Lab Podcast, I mean, Credit Lab Podcast. Or you can just um, info at RonnieFrancois.com. Or if all of that fails, you forget how to get in contact, I mean, just Google me, Ronnie Francois, the Credit Hero. That's right. Your boy right here is Googleable now. I'm here, so you can always Google me. So the first question is, what is the best way to help my child build positive credit? Uh, that's a very, very good question. There are a number of different ways. Um, so one of the simplest and easiest ways is to add them on as authorized user. Um, so basically, so, the, so there's a couple of things you want to think about. The first thing is, like, before you add anybody on as authorized user, are you a responsible car holder? That's the first thing you want to ask yourself. Because if you're not responsible, you're going to actually hurt their credit. So you want to make sure, you know, you you have a 100 payment history, a no derogatory, um, you know, 100 payment history, you're not going over that 30% of credit utilization. That's very, very important. You basically call your credit card company, say, look, um, I want to add my child, you know, my son, my daughter, whatever the case might be, when as an authorized user. And some card carrier, you, your, your child can be as young as the age of 13. That's right. You don't have to wait till they turn 18. Young as the age of 13, and you're going to say, hey, Look, I want to add my child as an authorized user. And they probably going to ask you some basic information. And then one of the things they're going to ask you is they're going to ask you, Do you want an extra card? And then so that's that's right there. That's a that's a pause moment because you don't have to get the extra card. They just ask you if you want it. Uh, so, of course, you know, if you give your child that card and you already know your child's not responsible, then I probably wouldn't get that card for that child. So you just say no, or you can get the card, just say, just hold on to it, whatever the case might be, but you don't have to get the extra card. So that's the very first thing I would say. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, get a copy of my book, um, Break the Cycle, you don't have to live with bad credit. It's on Amazon. And also the ebook is available too. And the second book I would recommend is the 10 Credit Commandments. That's also on, on Amazon. But let's just say for whatever reason, money's tight, you know, Santa Claus is coming, Thanksgiving is coming, Black Friday is coming. You, you got to get that TV. You got to replace that TV that you replaced last year and you don't want to spend the money to get the book. I'll send you an ebook copy of the book for free. Um, so, again, it's just about that knowledge. Uh, you can just inbox me, DM me, just request, just say ebook, and I'll email you both of the ebooks for free. Um, so, because I know I'm. Um, you know, things are a little tight right now. You know, you know, like I said, Black Friday, Thanksgiving, Christmas. So you probably don't want to spend that twenty dollars on the book. That could probably change your life, your kid's life. You, you probably don't want to spend that twenty bucks on it. So, I would do you a solid. I'll email you the ebooks 
for free, no charge. And I also have a third book too. I don't really talk about that much, but um, it's not a credit, but it's called um, Arrows. What is your definition of love? Um, so that's that's my third book. Okay, so uh, oh, that's the next question is too. How many books have you written? <laughs> so uh, I'm glad I'm glad somebody asked that. So I've written three books. I said two was on credit, the 10 credit, um, break the cycle, don't live with bad credit. Because again, you really break that cycle. And the second one was 10 credit commandments. So the cool thing about the 10 credit commandments, um, I have two contributing authors in that book. One is my daughter, Kayana, and the other one's my son, Kyrie. Um, so like I've had a lot of achievements in the past, you know, two, three, four years. But I would say writing a book with my kids, probably one of the coolest one. I mean, I'm just thinking like, what if my dad, you know, God bless us. So before he had passed away, like, you know, if I had wrote a book with him as a young kid like that, that would have been like super dope right there. Like, but you know what? You know, me and him, we didn't get a chance to do that. So I had the opportunity to deal with my kids. And um, I don't even think they realize how important that is, what that means. That they're co-authors on a book with me. I think I'm more excited than they are. They're probably like, okay, dad, yeah, it's another book, but to me, that's definitely super, super accomplishment. So, um, so yeah, if you so if you do get that book, the Ten Credit Commandments, my kids are co-authors in it. And then the third book is called Arrows. What is your definition of love? That's right. I went from the credit hero to love hero. You probably ain't even know I was that talented, did you? That's why I did. And that book is really, really cool too. Um, so I'm gonna be honest with you. Like when I was writing that, when I was thinking about writing that book, Arrows with his definition of love, I was a little hesitant a little bit. I'm like, you know what? If I write this book, it's gonna show that I'm, you know, it's gonna show my sensitive side. I mean, it's gonna show like it's gonna make me vulnerable. That's what I was thinking though. But I'm kind of glad, I'm really glad I wrote it, you know, I mean, to show people that hey, um, yes, I'm all about educating, you know, building, but also have a passionate side to me too. Um, so I think that was really, really good. That was a good idea writing that book. So another question is, um, how do I remove hard inquiries? Uh, which is really, really, which is really, really important. So let's just say you go to the dealership and you apply for um, you apply for car. You get five hard you get five hard inquiries. Only one bank approves you. Um, so why should the other four stay on it for two years? Um, so you can actually get those removed. Basically, just write to the creditor at the consumer reporting agency, straight to the creditor. And in the letter, you um you cite 15 U.S.C. 1681B permissible purpose. 15 U.S.C. 1681B permissible purpose basically saying no one should pull your credit report without your written consent. So unless that bank or the institution can send you some paperwork to show where you gave written consent to pull your credit, then they have to remove that off your credit report. Uh, because in essence, that's actually that's identity theft. Um, because you didn't get permission to pull your credit. I mean, of course, they might, you know, st use star tactics, take forever, respond back, or you might have to send a second letter. You might have to sue these people because under 15 U.S.C. 1681 and civil liability, you can actually sue them for $1,000 per violation. Um, but hopefully it doesn't get, have to get that far, but the goal is um, they, have to, they, have to, they have to show that you gave written consent. Um, so... That's one of the ways you can remove hard inquiries. Of course, there's probably other ways, but that's definitely one of the ways that you can use it. So, yep. Um, so another question is, what is the purpose of the FCRA? So many of you probably don't know what FCRA is, the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And that's one of the many agencies 
that are put in place to protect your right as a consumer. Um, again, when it comes to consumer law, um, consumer law actually starts with Fair Credit Reporting Act because Fair Credit Reporting Act was established in 1970. So that's, this, this agency has been around since 1970 to protect your right as a consumer. And you probably never heard of this agency before, right? Um, again, that's why financial literacy is important. Financial education is important because I mean, had this been in one of the curriculums in the schools, you would know about it, about this agency. Basically, the Fair Credit Reporting Act um, was enacted in 1970 to promote accuracy, fairness, and the privacy of personal information assembled by the credit reporting agencies. So that's what they put in, they, they were put in place to protect your right. Uh, but of course, if you didn't know about them, um, you just didn't know about them. So that, that's what they're in there for. And so one of the things that I do like about the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which is really, really important, because, you know, I don't know if you remember, a lot of time when you talk to different banks, financial institutions, they'll say, hey, you know, like, we have to report this to the, you know, consumer important agency. Well, they'll say credit bureaus, but um, so after today, the word credit bureau doesn't exist because they're not bureaus, they're consumer important agencies. So you just want to change your verbiage. But just for this instance, they'll say, hey, we have to report your information to the credit bureaus, blah, 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 it's by law. They're going to tell you that. But in reality, that's just a whole... That's just a whole bunch of fluff. I mean, I tell them, get out of here with that nonsense. Because if you look on the Fair Credit Reporting Act, I'm going to tell you exactly. Look, it's 15 U.S.C. 1681-3. Um, so it says consumer important agencies have <clears throat> assumed a vital role in assembling and evaluating consumer credit and other information on consumers. Um, the word is assumed. Um, so if I wake up tomorrow and I, I assume that I'm the president of Haiti, um, does that actually make me the president? No, it just means I'm assumed. But if everybody go along with it and let me, um, you know, think that, let me assume that position, then I'll be that. But so when it comes to the credit report agencies, there's no federal law, no federal mandate that says they have to collect your information. Companies send that stuff to them voluntarily because they want to, because according to the Fair Credit Report Net, the consumer point agencies just assume that nobody gave them that role, nobody gave them that title, they just assume that position. So <clears throat> it kind of goes back to um, what I said before um, that as a consumer, you have a right what goes on your credit report. Uh, because <clears throat> experience training, junior Equifax, there's no difference between them and Sands Club, Walmart, or Kmart because they just assume in that position to collect your information. So so the next time you talk to a, a company or creditor, they say, oh, we have to report your stuff. Um, you can just say 15 U.S.C. 1681-3. The Supreme Court agencies have assumed the right or role. So there's no federal mandate. That, so just tell them, like, get out of here with that nonsense, you know, because they just lying to you. So some of the common violations of the FCR include, um, these are just some of the common violations that people violate. Creditors give reporting agencies inaccurate financial information about you, reporting agencies mixing up one person's one person's information with another person because of similar or same names or social security number, agency failed to follow guidelines um, for handling disputes. So there's so many different ways you get violated by these companies, but you just don't know your rights. Um, so that's why, again, when you do start working on your credit, one of the first things you want to do is update your personal information. You have multiple names, multiple addresses, multiple phone numbers. 
Um, you want to just have one name, one phone number, just one address, unless those address, those old addresses are connected with an open account. And if it's, if it's an open account connected to those address, then you're not going to be able to get those addresses removed. But if nothing is connected to them, that's the first thing you want to do is update your personal information because you don't have multiple names, multiple addresses, multiple phone numbers. If you have multiple names, multiple addresses, multiple phone numbers, it's easy for the um, consumer foreign agencies to make a mistake and drop the ball. But again, at the end of the day, you do have a right to determine what goes on your credit report as the consumer. It says consumer um, can also, so what if they violate your right, right? Um, one of the things you can actually do is you can actually sue them per violation up to a up to $1,000 per violation on if they do violate your rights. So you can actually get paid in essence for having bad credit. And then again, is it going to be easy to get that $1,000? No, you might have to send more than one letter. You might have to assume I have to get arbitration. So it's not like you're going to say, look, give me $1,000 if you violate my right. It's probably not going to happen that easy. I'm not saying it won't, but it probably won't happen that easy. There's a, there's a, process, there's a process to this. The first thing is reach out to them, let them know they violate you. Second letters, give them an option to fix it. Then arbitration, then filing a civil um, civil lawsuit, small claim court. So again, I definitely want to thank you. Definitely appreciate you for being here with us on this amazing episode. Why financial literacy is not taught in our schools. And like, share, and subscribe. And then next week topic is going to be, did you know that, oh, you control what goes on your credit report, which is so, so important. Again, it goes right back to the Fair Credit Report Act. You as a consumer control what goes on your credit report. But again, if you don't know the laws, you won't know. So again, thank you. I definitely appreciate you. Thank you to my producer, uh, technician. Definitely appreciate you. And God bless.